Greetings. This is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will look at Acts chapter 9, verses 20 through 31. In our last session, we learned how Saul was converted by a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. He was blinded in that encounter, and so he was led into Damascus by his traveling companions, and he spent the next three days fasting and praying. In the meantime, Jesus spoke to a man named Ananias in a dream and instructed him to go to Saul, lay hands on him, and pray for his healing. He was also to tell Saul that Jesus was calling him to go to the Gentiles with the truth about Jesus, who is the Son of God. Let's pick up that story now. Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 20. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem, and has come here for the purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. The first word in our passage today is immediately. For me, this is very significant. And it's actually a a natural response for one who has just received Jesus as Lord and Savior. They simply can't keep quiet. They just have to tell someone. And that is exactly what you're supposed to do. Tell someone. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. We learn this principle from Jesus himself. Do you remember the story of the man from the country of the Gerasenes who was terribly demon-possessed? He lived among the tombs, outcast and alone. He was violent and a menace to society. The authorities had tried to put him in chains, but 
He'd broken them time and time again. I can only imagine the horrors that this man struggled with and how much pain he endured, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. But Jesus came to him one day. Jesus cast out the demons, commanding them to go into a herd of pigs. Those pigs, when the demons entered them, committed suicide by running into the sea and they were drowned. Jesus had healed the man, clothed him, and Jesus sat down and talked to him. The man's life was forever transformed. He was free. He was healed. He was delivered. He had had a, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and his life was never the same again. When it came time for Jesus to leave, the man wanted to go with Jesus. I understand why he would. Who wouldn't want to stay close to Jesus every moment of every day? Let me read about this. This is found in Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened, and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. You will notice that Jesus didn't tell the man to first go to a scribe or to a rabbi so that he could be taught the scriptures. No. That man was instructed to go to his family, his friends, and neighbors and tell them his personal story, how Jesus came to him, delivered him, and restored him to his right mind. Jesus wanted this man to tell them how Jesus had healed him and how he had given him a new life, a new hope, and a new purpose. Now this was not an easy assignment because the people he would talk to first were the very ones who had just asked Jesus to leave because they were afraid and angry because of what had happened to the pigs. They were afraid because of what they had witnessed, and they were angry because they had just lost a lot of money through the loss of their herd. But the man obeyed Jesus, 
and he began to tell them about his personal encounter with Jesus. His testimony was a powerful one. And Mark 5.20 says that everyone who heard his testimony marveled at what they had heard about Jesus. That verse also says that this man traveled throughout the Decapolis, which means he didn't stay home. He went farther and farther out, consistently telling his story to anyone who would listen. This was the same for Paul. Jesus came to Saul, spoke to Saul, healed Saul, and commissioned Saul. Then for the next few days, Saul began to tell anyone who would listen that Jesus is the Son of God. And he started right where he was at. He went to the synagogues, where he would find both devoted Jews and converted Jews. The Jews would be hesitant hesitant to receive his teaching about Jesus because they viewed Jesus as a blasphemer, and the converted Jews would struggle with Saul because they had heard that he had come to arrest all of the followers of Jesus to take them back to Jerusalem in chains. No, this was not an easy assignment. But like I said... Saul could not keep silent. He had to tell them that Jesus really is the Son of God. You know, the the Apostle Peter's message up until this time had portrayed, portrayed Jesus as the Servant, capital S. This was to prove the fulfillment of prophecies in the book of Isaiah. For example, Isaiah 49, 5-7 says, And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel is gathered to him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, God says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. The great messianic passage in Isaiah 53 says in part, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he was, has put him to grief. And when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied, and by his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. That passage is talking about Christ's suffering and persecution and death. The servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities, their sins. And now Paul adds to this teaching the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. This, too, is in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. We read in Psalm 2, verses 7 through 8, I will declare the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth 
for your possession. This psalm, Psalm 2, is messianic, and it actually is a uh, psalm that describes the end of the age when Jesus will reign over the nations of the, of the world when he returns at the end of the tribulation period. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4, we read, Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? And now we do know. His name is Jesus. Dr. Warren Wearsby makes the following observation. Saul immediately began to proclaim the Christ that he had persecuted, declaring boldly that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the only place in Acts that you will find this title, but Paul used it in his epistles at least 15 times. It was a major emphasis in his ministry. Another commentator adds, describing Jesus as the Son of God had three implications. It spoke of Jesus' intimate and unique relationship with God the Father. It placed Jesus in the kingly line of David. And it had identified Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. Saul could do this so soon after his conversion because... His experience on the road to Damascus had been unmistakable. Saul knew that Jesus was alive, that Jesus was God's son, and that Jesus was the Messiah. My question to you, my dear friend, is this. Who is Jesus? Do you know that Jesus lived died and rose from the dead? Do you know that Jesus really is the Son of God and that Jesus is God the Son? Is Jesus your Savior? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? If you can say yes to these questions, then let me ask you this. Who are you telling? Have you ever told anyone your personal story about your relationship with Jesus and how you came to know him as Savior and Lord? In the telling, you follow the example of these two men. Just start where you are. Start with the people you know. I firmly believe that as you begin to tell, you will want to tell even more people and you will discover that as you share your testimony, Jesus will become more and more real to you and more wonderful. Then one day you will find that you simply can't keep quiet about Jesus any longer. That's been my experience. I hope it's yours too. Well, this is the essence of the charge that Jesus gave all his disciples in Acts 1.8. When Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, that's where you're at, and in all Judea and Samaria, a little bit further out, 
and to the end of the earth. Just keep talking. Well, to continue with our passage today, as Saul talked about Jesus in the synagogues, some received his message and some rejected his message. That rejection was so severe that they plotted to capture and to kill him. There will always be those who will receive your testimony and those who will reject your testimony. Jesus is aware of it all. And in the meantime, Saul did not let anything stop him. He just kept on talking and telling. Now Saul had a a brilliant mind and he'd been well-trained. He was very effective in presenting his testimony and teaching and proving that Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah. Saul was God's chosen minister to bring the gospel message throughout the known world. Therefore, nothing and no one could take his life from him until his purpose was fulfilled. After several days of teaching, the Jews plotted for his capture. They watched the gates day and night in order to grab him whenever he would try to leave the city. But the Holy Spirit revealed their evil plan And in verse 25, it says, Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. In the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes about this time in his life. And he said, it's in chapter 11, In Damascus, the governor, under Aretas the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. So this is how Paul's ministry began. And anyone who has studied the life of Paul can affirm that this pattern of teaching and persecution continued throughout his life. But he was determined to be faithful to the truth. And to his God and Savior. He simply trusted Jesus. At the end of his life, in the last letter he would ever write, he encouraged his spiritual son Timothy with these words, which is also the word of encouragement I give to you today. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, 
and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things, nevertheless. I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I've believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. When Saul escaped from Damascus, he traveled to Jerusalem in the hopes of joining the disciples. However, they were afraid of him. They had not heard about what had taken place in Damascus, nor of the gospel ministry that Saul had been engaged in. But there was one man, Barnabas, who listened to his story and believed what he heard. We've already been introduced to Barnabas in chapter 4, so let's read that passage again just in order to refresh our memory. Beginning with verse 32, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all had things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Yes, he indeed was a son of encouragement in the life of Saul. After he had heard Saul's story and discerned that Saul's conversion was sincere, he brought Saul to the apostles sharing with them Saul's story. Because Barnabas acted as an advocate, Saul was believed and accepted as a man of God and a chosen vessel of God to share the good news of Jesus to Jews and Gentiles alike. Saul began to boldly proclaim the truth about Jesus. I like the way one commentary describes this time. While in Jerusalem, Saul felt led to witness to the very same audience that had masterminded the stoning of Stephen, some Greek-speaking Jews, Hellenists. As might be expected, he encountered furious opposition. Saul was, in their eyes, a turncoat and a traitor. So they immediately began to devise a way to give him the same treatment they had given Stephen. They plotted to murder him. In these short sentences, we can see two characteristics of Saul, even as a new believer in Christ. He was bold, and he stirred up controversy. These would characterize Saul's ministry for the rest of his life. 
As a result of the plot of the Hellenists, the brethren, having learned from what happened to Stephen, brought Saul to Caesarea, and from there Saul went home to Tarsus for a while. It was during that time that he relearned Scripture through the lens of the reality of Jesus, Son of God. By his testimony in Galatians 1, we learn that it was Jesus himself who instructed him in Scripture and the revelation of Jesus throughout. It, it will take time, and when we next see Saul, he will be fully prepared to take up the mantle of ministry that Jesus called him to. And you might think that strange that I would say that Jesus himself instructed him, although that is the testimony of Saul in Galatians 1. But I can attest to that personally, because there was a time in my life when, because of sin in my life, it had eroded everything I'd ever learned about the Bible. And when I repented of my sin and committed my life afresh and anew to Jesus, it was Jesus himself and the scriptures uh, and the Holy Spirit's ministry in my life that retaught me the scriptures. And for two years, I was being taught the Word of God by God and by His Word. And I can attest to you that if you ask, if you ask Jesus and yield yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit, He will teach you His Word and it will become so precious to you, so beautiful, so powerful, so dynamic that it will become something that is living within you. Well, our passage for today ends with the encouraging word that once again the churches throughout the region enjoyed another time of comfort and peace and growth both in numbers and in their faith in Jesus as the Christ. God was working in their midst. God preserved the life of Saul. God was in total control, and his perfect will was being accomplished. The same is true in our day today. God is still in control, and our lives are in his hands. As the psalmist declares in Psalm 31, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. This is a good prayer for us today. Jesus is aware of your situation and Jesus is aware of your heart's desire. Put your trust in him and be bold, bold to be his witness. Tell them about what Jesus has done for you. Invite them to ask Jesus to be their savior too. Remember, today is the day of salvation. Be bold, my friend, and go in the power and grace 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we are so moved by what you did in the life of your servant Saul, the way you just transformed his life and how immediately he became your servant. Immediately he he became your witness. And you filled him with such boldness and such wisdom. And you taught him, Lord, and you protected him until his work was completed. We thank you for the faithfulness of his life. We thank you for the example that he set for us. But even more, we thank you because we can see your hand in his life. We can see your power. We can see your glory. Lord, we want our lives to shine for you. We want to share what you have done for us. Give to us a boldness to speak. And Lord, as we speak, may your glory shine forth. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, if you are finding these messages helpful and encouraging, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, feel free to email me at BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. That email address, again, is all just all one word, BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. Well, until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, my dear friends. Amen.